thing that's really important to me is this being an energy exchange. So it's not like I'm on here just like, hey, buy my stuff. Oh, aren't my pictures pretty? I'm so great. Look where I am. For me, it's really important for you to know like, hey, I'm a human being and I was at work all day today and now I'm up all night and I'm making your order and you matter to me. I like to share those kinds of experiences online. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Gusto. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll benefits and HR to small businesses across the country. They were even named Best Online Payroll by PC Mag. And as a Side Hustle Pro listener, you will get three months free when you run your first payroll. So sign up and give it a try at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to another Side Hustle Spotlight edition of Side Hustle Pro. This is where we spotlight someone who is still side hustling or just recently took their side hustle full time with a real company, real brand that they are building. We want to see how they're doing it while they are still in or barely removed from the side hustle journey, like just quit their job within a couple years ago. Today's spotlight is Dr. Danita Nikki Brooks, the founder of Zen in a Jar, a Zen focused home and body care line. Dr. Nikki is an entrepreneur from Washington, D.C. She is the daughter of two D.C. public school educators. And as you'll hear in this episode, she was working full time in government and pursuing her doctor of science in information systems and communication when she started side hustling. She started Zen in a Jar on the side and it actually supplemented her income and helped her pay her tuition. Upon completing her doctorate, Dr. Nikki realized her passion is self-care. Through Zen in a Jar, she creates ways for women to access luxury experiences for the mind, body, and space with an emphasis on the power of aromatherapy. Respect your magic is the mantra she lives by, and her goal is to pour into other women and create experiences for them to tap into their very best lives. On today's episode, we hear how she does it. Let's get right into it. So welcome to the guest chair, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for being here in our Side Hustle Spotlight guest chair. So we just have to start from the top. What made you decide to start Side Hustling? Um, necessity. Uh, when I first started the business, I was just like doing it for fun and making Christmas gifts. And then uh, when I was in federal government, our tuition assistance was... Uh, canceled. Like by the time I applied for the program, um, we had it. But when the semester started, it was taken away like organization wide. And I was really excited about being in this program. I was like, I have to figure out how to make this work. And that's how I got started. Now, backtracking, what was your career path? So you were working in government. What were you doing? And then what were you studying? What, what did you go back to school for? Um, my career path was, I was an IT project manager until a few months ago. So I just, I had years and years of project management experience. And it also, it helps me a lot today with, with my job, but, uh, I went to school to study information systems and communication. Like my bachelor's was in, um, IT and my master's was in communication. So my doctorate was like a, a combination of the two. And um, my study was on the relationship between emotional wellness and our social media use. It was really, really interesting. Like, I totally enjoyed it. Wow, very interesting. I'd love to, like, dig into that, read some more. So you start side hustling out of necessity. Why Zen in a Jar? Did you consider a few side hustles before you, you know, landed on this one? No, honestly, I just really loved making these products. Like I, my first product was a sugar scrub and um, I loved it. I always love things that smell good. And my favorite thing to gift people was always like perfume or something like that. And so when I thought about what I could do for money that I would enjoy, it was really a no brainer. Did you have experience making these products or what was that learning curve like to start making sugar scrubs, to start making candles? <laughs> Because I know 
know I've tried to make a uh, sugar scrub before and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> it was a mess. It was such a mess. I um, <laughs> I knew what I liked. I knew what I liked to, to purchase. And um, it was not that easy. I Googled a variety of recipes online. This was about maybe 2013. I Googled a bunch of recipes online. And I was like, you know what? I'll probably just borrow pieces from different recipes to see what works best for me. And it was not good the first couple of times. I couldn't figure out like what the consistency of the product should be. Um, is it too oily? Is it too dry? How should it be? What do people like? Is it leaking out of the jars? Like, oh, and even the whole process of figuring out containers was like a nightmare in the beginning. So I kept at it. My guinea pigs were uh, my mom and my sister and my niece. So they would always give me great feedback on what was working and what wasn't as I, you know, kind of started out and tweaked the recipes. You you mentioned jars. So did you immediately go for jars? Or did you try plastic? How did you choose which containers to even start with? I went with jars, uh, glass jars, because I, I always knew I wanted to call it that. Like that name had always resonated with me. Like anything like in a jar means it's like accessible or requires like minimal assembly and things like that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to find a jar and I want it to be aesthetically pleasing to look like something I would want to buy too. So I found a really pretty mason jar. Like, you know, the old school one, it's about um, eight ounces and it says like mason along the side. It was a pretty square jar. And um, what I found immediately was that shipping it was a challenge and transporting it was a challenge. And this was on like a very, very small scale in the beginning. So then I transitioned to plastic containers, but um, my recipes were not quite right in the beginning. So it was constantly leaking between like the lid and where it met the jar. And I had not yet had education on pressure seals and shrink wrapping and things like that. <laughs> it was really, just thinking about it now, I'm like, oh my goodness. But, um, but yeah, you know, that was the beginning where I just really didn't have a blueprint to follow. I was just trying to figure it all out. I don't even know. What is what is a pressure seal? What is shrink wrapping? I recently learned once things went on a, a much larger scale that pressure seals are like those little foam um, pieces that you would put at the top of the jar or the bottle that um, they make sure they ensure that your products don't leak through in between the lid and the jar. So sometimes it's a small circle, like if it's on a bottle top, um, and sometimes it's it's wider when it's on top of uh, a jar. I never knew that's what those were called. <laughs> and then it's shrink wrapping, just like wrapping it as tightly as possible. Uh, shrink wrapping is this plastic band that is whatever the diameter of the uh, lid is for the bottle of the jar. And um, you use a heat gun, which I found as soon as I bought the heat gun, I realized I could have just used a blow dryer. It's legitimately like the same thing. But you put the heat over the shrink ramp, uh, shrink band and it um, tightens up and secures itself to whatever the container is. And that's another preventative measure uh, for leakage. Ah, yeah. OK, yeah. so. You always had the idea for the name. You started with making gifts, you said, for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At what stage were you shipping them? So that's the part I'm, I'm interested in. Were these customers that you were shipping to or just family and friends all over the country? Um, family and friends were the initial recipients. And then um, they loved it so much because it was Kwanzaa. And like, I'm the oldest of six. I have a huge family. We're all very close. So holiday season, you're, you got a lot of gifts to buy. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> so that's where I got the idea from. Uh, you know, gifts gifts are my love language. So I really sat with it. I said, okay, well, what fragrance combination works for this person's personality and so on? And I customized them that way. And they love them so much that as birthdays and things came up for people in their respective circles, They'd be like, oh, hey, Nikki, could you could you make five of those scrubs again like you did for Christmas? I need to send them to my girlfriend. And could you ship this to my godmother? You know, and that's kind of how we got started. And it really, wow, I never really thought about that. But it really grew from there because many of those people that were receiving receiving them as gifts in the beginning still shop with me today. And it's been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about more about the product range. So you started with the sugar scrub. Where did you go from there? From sugar scrub, I ventured into candles. 
I had a woman at my job, uh, Miss Connie, and she made candles like kind of, I guess it's her side hustle. And uh, she had me come over one day and just blew me away, just explaining how all these different pieces work and um, some of her best practices and lessons learned with it, how tedious it can be. Um, she gave me some vendor recommendations to start out with to figure out what works for me. Because what I do realize, like in this arena, there's no one set way to do anything. You really have to figure out uh, the recipes, the vendors and so on that really resonate with you and what you're trying to communicate through your product. So she showed me how to make candles. I was like, you know what? I love this. So I started with the candles. And that was the same thing. That was a learning experience where I had to kind of figure out what works for Zen in a jar. Like I used to experiment with colors and super huge candles and all these different things and garnishes. And then I finally tweaked it to something that I could always feel proud of that wouldn't stress me out, but was also like unique to me. So what I do is I don't do color in my candles anymore, but I do, you know, Angel from the Spice Suite. Yes. Um, I'm a Spice Girl. And um, when I would browse the shelves at the shop, I would look through and see like which of these spices um, would look great as a garnish on the top of a candle. You know, and that's something unique that, you know, I hadn't seen before. So that, that became like my signature. Wow. So now now you have to tell the people more. What is a spice suite? And how did you start distributing your candles beyond, you know, beyond your family? How did you actually start uh, selling to customers? So um, so I started with scrubs and candles. And um, the way that the product catalog grew is because as people would enjoy the fragrances, they would just say, hey, you know what? I really wish I could have uh, this same smell in my car. Um, could you make a linen spray? Uh, could I get some lotion? You know, so I, it took a while to really figure out what works and test things, of course, and do focus groups. But um, it grew just based on the responses to certain fragrances and how people wanted. I realized that they wanted a fuller experience. Like, I don't want to just smell it in, the, in a scrub. I'd like to wear it all day and smell it. Or I'd like to light a candle at work and, you know, things like that. So that's how it grew. And then I, I moved from receiving emails, which got chaotic, like, really quickly. Um, you mean, to, like, people were ordering it, sending you an email to order? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That lasted, like, maybe a month. And then I discovered Etsy. And Etsy is, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure most people are familiar with what yes, Etsy yes, is, but yes. you know, good old Etsy. Um, <laughs> I did that for a few years. And then I, as I started making more um, money, you know, just getting more orders, the fees got just exponential. And I was coming from a place of like, I'm doing this as a means to, to an end to like pay tuition. So what do I do to cut out some of this overhead? Um, so after a while, I graduated from Etsy and started to sell through Squarespace um, on my website. And um, that is how my outreach grew. Instagram is like my my greatest channel. Like I'm not that good on Twitter. I don't fully understand Twitter. So, <laughs> so a lot of my audience and my audience engagement um, and interaction is through Instagram and word of mouth. So onto the spice suite. I was, I think, in my second year of my doctoral program, and I saw Angels posted um, about vendors hosting pop-ups. She wanted to invite small Black-owned businesses to come and pop up at the Spice Suite, and there was no fee. So I'm looking through the Instagram. I was like, wow, this looks really cool. I've never heard of this shop before, but I'm just going to respond and see if she's into it. So um, I, I uh, came to pop up with her. September of 2016. That was when we met. And it just, we vibed so well. Like we, the energy just really felt right. So I was like, hey, you know, this was great. Can I come back? And um, I came back the following month, I believe. And uh, she said, you know what? This is going well. And I believe her son had like, Vi he was taking Viola or something. She was like, would you mind just coming on second Saturdays so I can go to his practice? And I was like, oh my God, are you sure you would trust me in your store? Okay. You know, <laughs> so so um, the movement of the Spice Girls came from that experience of, you know, just I'm in here and I'm vending, but I'm also going to take care of this store as if it were my own while I'm here. And um, so that's kind of like how that relationship grew uh, in terms of me talking about browsing the shelves and uh, going through the spices to put in my candles and such. It, it came from being a Spice Girl. 
and I'm still here. <laughs> oh, I just love that. And for those of you who haven't listened yet after this, go back and listen to episode 89 to hear all about Angel Spice Suite. So speaking of the Spice Suite, did the physical pop-ups that you do and, and the presence that you have there help the online orders? Or were you finding that those were two separate audiences and you had to do double the, the work? Um, they were two separate audiences for a while. Um, and then as the as the pop-up presence grew, people would travel from uh, distances like, you know, local, like maybe coming from Philadelphia or deep in Virginia okay. to come to a pop-up. And it started to to blend after a while. Because they would need a place to, to keep on ordering. And so they'd find yeah. you online. Got it. Mm-hmm. What else did you do to really raise the visibility of Zen in a Jar? Because you can build it, you can put up a website. It doesn't mean people will know it's there. And I'm really impressed that you were able to use Instagram and, and you know, really grow the audience that way. What specific steps did you take? Even to a fault sometimes, I'm extremely transparent. So I think about, when, when I think about like the Instagram experience and my strategy there, my, my primary strategy is just to be myself I love feeling connected with people when I purchase from them. Like some of my my favorite shopping experiences have been when I've gotten like a handwritten thank you note mm-hmm. um, or some way of, um, you know, feeling like the person cares about my experience purchasing with them. So what I always want to offer is a way for people to kind of see what's going on behind the scenes, who I am as a person and why I am Zen in a Jar. You know, I feel like that is a part of what has grown things. A lot of of my exposure has been through word of mouth, um, primarily, and just welcoming people as the followers increase and such, and let them know who I am and what we do here. But what something is really important to me is is this being an energy exchange. Yes. So it's not like I'm on here just like, hey, buy my stuff. Oh, aren't my pictures pretty? I'm so great. Look where I am. <laughs> no. <it's>, you know. <laughs> For me, it's really important for you to know, like, hey, I'm a human being and I was at work all day today and now I'm up all night and I'm making you order and you matter to me. You know, like I I like to to kind of share those kinds of experiences online. Right. So you are you are physically for a while making all these products by yourself. And speaking of energy exchange, the energy of touching that product that will one day land in your customer's lap. Do you also kind of feel like you don't want that negative energy going into the candle and and going into the body oil? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, to be honest, I am, I'm still growing in business. And this is a part that I have decided is very important to me. And I, I don't delegate it out. So like I've learned to delegate um, other pieces of the business, Mm -hmm. but I still sit and make the products. It it means something to me to have a hand in what you receive when you open your box. Um, I want to see your name on the invoice and know who you are when we meet and things like that. Like I still like to have that connection um, to the products. I like that. And I completely understand it. It's that moment of I'm still trying to figure that out myself of like, when will I really scale to a point where I am okay with knowing, for example, each of my podcast coaching students, I value actually putting a face with the name of their podcast and guiding them along the journey. And I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, I just can't imagine scaling to a point where I don't have that one on one connection with each person. So it's tough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the investment in the materials and the equipment. I'm sure buying in bulk, you know, cuts down on some of the expense. But when you were first starting out, were you able to make profit or was it like, you know, the cost of the bottles and everything really cut into your margins? (laughs) These questions are really, it's so funny. This This journey has just been... When I think about what I was doing, like where mm-hmm. I am now, I, I was at such a hot mess. Okay, so uh, back in the beginning, I'd say like around 2014, 2015, I was so serious about only being focused on the creativity and not wanting to be engaged in the numbers. And, you know, I'm just being transparent. I know it's, it's not anything I would recommend anybody do, but I was not paying attention to what things were costing me. I just wanted it to be to be pretty and smell amazing. And I wanted people to be happy when they got it. 
But uh, the hardest lesson, speaking of that, was um, I was trying to pay tuition to register, I think, for my, yeah, my second year. It was a three-year program. And so I did a big sale and I shipped everything out. And then when it came down to like what I had left over for tuition, I did not have much because I didn't factor in these fancy glasses I was using. They were so expensive. I didn't factor in how much shipping of those glasses was going to cost, you know, and the um, the huge Etsy fees and so on. So that was a hard lesson in the beginning. I'm, I'm in a much better space with it now, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking, I'm like, wow. How are you able to maintain the quality of the glasses that you were ordering while while kind of reducing some of those expenses? Really taking the time to explore vendors um, and not just going with the first thing that pops up in a Google search, but like cultivating relationships with vendors. Um, like some of the glass vendors, uh, there's one in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I've established a relationship with them where I'll buy a huge amount. They will offer, you know, a discount courtesies all the time. And then I just drive up and pick it up instead of paying the hundreds of dollars that it costs to ship glass. Um, that's like one of one of the things I've done. I had to be resourceful and really check into uh, my, my vendor relationships as far as my materials and such. And how are you balancing your full-time job and your Doctor of Science degree at this point when you're, I'm assuming, making batches after work, also doing the research on vendors and all of that? I wasn't getting much rest. Um, I honestly looked at it like this is the investment that I need to make in what matters to me right now. And I also had to promise myself that I wouldn't carry on this way for for much longer. Like, I didn't want this to be like my way of life, but for, I would say like a three-year period, I was just constantly on the go because I'm making products, I'm working on a dissertation, I've got a relationship and a full-time job that I really enjoyed before I left. Um, so that took a lot out of me too. <laughs> it was uh, It was really, it was a lot. But that's why I'm sure to be kinder to myself now that I have the knowledge that this is not the way that it has to be and, you know, that I can invest in resources to support my business and not feel like I need to do everything. Like had I had that knowledge years ago, I would have just hired someone or maybe even consulted a friend that uh, maybe works in contracting or something like that that can help me with market research instead of like sitting up all night and trying to do it. You know, it's that super woman, woman syndrome that many of us are trying to unlearn. Mm -hmm. And it's know? that feeling of we need to do this ourselves because we're not making X yet. You know, we, we also set these milestones that I think hold us back from getting help that can help us to speed up and get ahead. Oh, girl. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, it's so yes. interesting that you mentioned this because your whole brand is really, it exudes self-care, you know, zen in a jar. It just focuses on giving yourself that those moments of just therapeutic peace. And here you are burning, burning the midnight oil <laughs> and not getting rest. <laughs> How did you reconcile that? I, ha I had to be honest myself, I had to really look myself in the mirror. And I would say this was about 2016 or 2017, mm -hmm. where I said, you are constantly pushing self-care, but you are not taking care of yourself. You are exhausted. You look like a koala bear with the bags and like my eyes are dark circles and everything. Like it was just crazy. Not a koala bear. I'm sorry, a raccoon. I was about to say, I was about to Google koala again. Like what am I looking for? What is the analogy about? Oh my goodness. But yeah, like I was just so exhausted. I looked crazy all the time. My presentation was even off because I was prioritizing the business and having the products together. But I'm showing up places like in house clothes. And, you know, not taking the time to get my makeup done and stuff like that. Um, so I'm like, you know, in my in my day to day life, I'm not demonstrating what my brand is. I got to restructure this so that I represent my brand. You know, it was a, it was a tough conversation I had with myself one day. I'll never forget it. But after that, uh, I decided to be more mindful mm -hmm. um, of how much I take on and uh, making sure that 
I don't overextend myself and start to neglect my self-care and things like that. So, of course, I asked that before I get into one of the biggest spikes where where I really learned about you was when Hey Fran Hey posted about her Zen in a jar. Oh. Now, <laughs> tell us about that experience. Was that a, a critical shift in terms of um, demand? And how did you manage? How did you scale up to manage that? Okay. So um, some background, uh, I am managed by Kia Wilson of the MAV Agency, and uh, she also manages Dr. Kia of the Getting Grown podcast. So um, I offered some event favors to support Dr. Kia's first team typing fast event. Like I was just like a huge fan. And like I said, I love gifts. So I'm like, oh, you know what? It would be nice if she had like some little butter gifts to give out to the people who attend her event. Yes. So I make her uh, a box as well with a little card that says, you know, thanks for what you do for the culture. Basically, as far as like uh, black women in academia, I just really admire her for that. So I made her some um, mahalo as a thank you gift for what she does. And mahalo means thank you in Hawaiian. So she goes on a uh, Getting Grown podcast and is like raving about it. So that's when things first started to heat up because ah. I, I wasn't planning for it. But then my followers started going crazy and getting all these emails like, hey, Dr. Kia said, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> where can I get it? And I was like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 cool. All right. So, so, um, so after that, you know, basically organically a relationship forms and I start to travel with them on the podcast store. Okay. So I'm vending and people are coming and supporting. So the the date that they had in Brooklyn, Fran was there. So let me tell you, it was so crazy. I was there with my best friend, Wumi, and we had ordered some Uber Eats. So I went downstairs to go and meet the guy with the food. And then I come back upstairs and Wumi's running my table. And I look and I, and I mouth to her. I'm like, is that Fran? That's the <laughs> And so she nods her head like, yes. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a creep. I'm going to stay over here. Like, I'm sure she's just being nice and supporting the small business. I'm just going to chill. Right. So, <laughs> so I noticed that she buys the bottle of Forever Body Honey. Mm -hmm. And I really just thought it was a kind gesture. I didn't think anything else of it. So I remember the day, I think it was October 12th. Wow. Down to the day. Down to the day. <laughs> Yeah, because I didn't know what was going on. I was just like chilling and my phone starts going crazy. Like Twitter followers are coming out of nowhere and um, Instagram is going crazy. And I'm just like, what is happening on here? And I'm kind of a tech dinosaur. So I don't understand IG stories yet. <laughs> and I'm just going to be honest about that. So I didn't really understand what was happening. And so I saw, I saw her post. And so I start crying and I'm screaming and calling my friends and stuff or whatever. I'm like, oh my God, look, look, look. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause again, these are people that, um, that I'm, I'm fans of showing this kind of love. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. So when that happens, I'm like, okay, I need to just do a release because I was doing, I was doing Okay. Um, with my online sales, like it was still, a, it was a lot, you know, juggling that and the job. But when that wave came in, I was like, okay, we got to increase volume on this next release. And so I increased, um, I, I think I started with a few hundred bottles of the body honey and it was selling out in minutes. I was doing the releases on Mondays, I believe at first. And I had to do a complete shift in production because before I would look around and see what I had in stock. And I'm like, okay, I've got a lot of lemongrass. We'll do like a lemongrass themed release this week. And I'll just, you know, make it this weekend. But as a larger scale, I learned immediately that I needed to make everything in advance before posting it online. Mm. And um, I also learned a lot about inventory. I um, was going to discuss this if, if you asked me about any like, like challenges do you want me to just get into that sure totally <laughs> sure and and just to, to take so a couple of things one i also love dr kia i love getting grown podcast if y'all want to know what Nikayla listens to getting grown is one of my faves and i 
also enjoy their live shows. So that's so funny that that's where it all kicked off. And now when you say releases, you're talking about, you know, letting people know that they can now purchase like the a new inventory. It's all in and they can buy it now because you sold out. Yeah. So that's what you mean by your new releases. Okay, sure. Mm -hmm. So, yes, let's get into it. Okay, so the greatest challenge um, was or what I would consider like if I had to, to talk of like a professional failure of sorts, I would say that it was Cyber Monday. And um, it was Cyber Monday because I was just I was really excited and I really wanted to accommodate everyone. And I took on much more than I could handle. And um, I wasn't even aware of how quickly I could run out of inventory when making things by the hundreds. Okay. So my batches were much smaller at first. So it was like a perfect storm. So some of my fragrance elements would go out of stock because it's the holiday season. Um, and then like the bottles, the mason jars, like everybody's making jams and Christmas gifts and such with mason jars. And they're just gone. They're discontinued until after the holiday season. But it's what I needed in order to like fulfill the orders. The other part of the perfect storm was like uh, glass just being damaged. I used to, you know, kind of just, oh man, you know, let me just send out a note for a refund when a bottle or two would be damaged, um, you know, in, in route to me from the manufacturer. And it, it happens. But I was in a position then where I needed every single bottle, like everything is accounted for. So um, it was heartbreaking to realize that I had taken on more than I could handle. And as a project manager, like by day at the time, I thought I was I thought I was going to be ahead of that. Wow. So this was October. This was like the fall of 2018 or 17. Oh, this is the holiday season of 2018. Okay. Yeah. And so um, as these things start to happen, I'm like realizing I have to tell many of these people that these things will not arrive by Christmas. And um, I was devastated. So I took a few hours to feel sorry for myself. And I said, okay, here's what we can do. We can fall apart or we can be genuine. And if you lose customers, you lose customers. And if they stay with you, they stay. So what I did was um, I, I shipped out as much as I could before Christmas. Um, and the ones that went out the week after, they got um, handwritten notes uh, with, you know, just kind of an explanation of what happened. Uh, my sincere apology as the creator and um, also like an indefinite discount code to thank them for shopping with me. And if they should ever come back, you know, I would always acknowledge um, that they had to wait so long for their order by letting them, you know, have that discount code. Uh, I just decided to be transparent and genuine and, you know, kind of just see where it went. And I'm so grateful because so many of those people still shop with me. And that's a, a part of like why I like to see the invoices, just to know who you are. And I, and I like to know what types of things people are buying, to know your scent families and stuff like that. Um, as I release things, like what are people interested in? But yeah, that was a huge challenge. And then the other the, the other piece of that challenge was um, not just with the materials, but also with receiving help. Mm. I have a fantastic village, an amazing tribe of people that have become friends who were once customers and I've got family and friends. So I had folks helping um, like all day long for like weeks. And um, one of the things I would do differently in the future is micromanage a little more and make sure that I have people helping me in areas that they feel comfortable and in areas that they can succeed in. Like uh, I needed to, I didn't know that I needed to, but I needed to make sure that like maybe lids are um, closed like a certain way, like making sure that it's tight. But if it's not something that you do on a daily basis, you don't know that that's like super, super important or else it'll be oil or butter like all over the box when the customer opens it. Um, so that was one of my one of my challenges, too. So it was a learning experience for me in terms of, OK, Nikki, you know what you need to do in the future when you have help? Write out SOPs. 
you know, um, have things to help people and ask them, like, what are you, what do you feel most confident helping with, you know, as opposed to like, hey, here's what we need to do today. Uh, please just help me, you know, like that kind of thing uh, without taking a strategic and organized approach to it. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. You, I'm actually taking notes right now because there's so many things you just said that I, I want to drill down. This was so important. This was so, you know what I love about this? Your ability to reflect, take ownership crisis manage and also chart a path forward that will be better. So the first thing I, you know, love about this story is, isn't it crazy how your best business opportunity, like the amazing shout outs also led to your biggest challenge, your biggest challenge. Isn't that crazy? You know, But it forced yeah. you to level up to meet that demand because there's another wave that's going to come, you know, and, and you're mm-hmm. going to level up again and be able to do it quicker, faster, with less, you know, bumps along the way because of this first oh, yeah. experience. And then the other thing is this was so good. When you ask for help, instead of saying, oh, man, I picked the wrong people, putting the blame on them, you identified that, you know what, these are great people. These are my friends. They were well-intentioned, but I didn't equip them to succeed because I didn't didn't give them the standard operating procedures, the SOPs that would have helped all of us to succeed because I just, you take for granted what you know, and then everyone else is not doing this day in and day out. And so they want to, but they cannot help you in the way that you need. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) You know, you want you want some people are like, oh, why don't you ask for help? There's a way to ask for help that will result in less problems for us, right? Like if I was just to today be like, oh, can you help me do XYZ? I would get stressed out and probably kick somebody out my house because mad at them I did not equip them to succeed in helping me wow yeah exactly so yeah I did a lot of self-reflection and I was freaking out like I was I was crying when I when I was realizing what was happening because I felt like you know these people that I appreciate and, and admire put put their name on me you know what I mean without me even asking mm-hmm and here I am. Everything's falling apart at National Harbor. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so it was it was tough, but just for a few moments. Right. Um, because every time something awful happens, what I do realize is that I always come out better on the other side. Like a blind spot is revealed or a new skill is acquired, you know. So, yeah. So those same things will never happen to me again. And I'm sure there'll be, you know, more more challenges in the future. But, you know, I learned like, you know, you have to have SOPs, you got to have a staff, you have to delegate. Um, And like, even if I don't have the bandwidth at the moment to write SOPs, I now have um, an assistant on board that will do that for me. Yeah, I remember looking at your IG and see or your IG story and seeing like you were in like a conference room with an assembly line of friends helping you bottle things up. Oh, and yeah. I remember thinking, oh, that's mm-hmm. so nice. They're all they're all hands on deck trying to get these orders out. But yeah, it's it's so hard to systematize and make sure every customer gets the same experience yeah. when there's so many hands on it. Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. If you have a business or you know someone who does, you probably know by now that small business owners, we wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are mad fun, I'm not gonna lie. But some of them, like filing taxes and running payroll, they're not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for us small businesses. It's fast with simple payroll processing benefits and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about all that. Plus, they make it easy to add on things like health benefits and even 401ks for your team. So those old school clunky payroll providers that you probably thought you had to look at, they just weren't built for the way we work as modern small businesses, but Gusto is. So let them wear all of those hats for you. You have better things to do. 
Side Hustle Pro listeners, you get three months free when you run your first payroll. So test it out. See for yourself at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Have you guys seen the clip of Magic Johnson quitting his job as president of the Lakers via press conference rather than telling his boss straight up, y'all, please don't be like Magic. Don't let the crazy at work cause you to make a hasty decision and leave your job before you're ready. Instead, open up your podcast app and subscribe to the Trail MBA show. You can even search for it right now while you're listening to me. If you're looking for a show that's going to help you thrive and navigate corporate America while you're side hustling and come out on top, this is the show for you. Host Felicia is the trillest MBA you will ever meet, and she is all about telling the truth and keeping it real about surviving and thriving. That's the most important part, thriving in corporate America. I want y'all to go to work and be happy and find joy and find a way to do what you love. So check out episodes like Stop Skipping the Work Happy Hour, okay? Those are important. And take comfort in the fact that you're not alone in this journey. It can be tricky, but let's talk about it. Felicia gives real and actionable tips to navigate those tough combos, those situations, and people at work. Just search for the Trail MBA show in your podcast app and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Speaking of lessons learned, so in the beginning, you you mentioned that you weren't even looking at how much things were costing. Now, what's your approach? Do you have a financial model that you're working out of yet where it's like, okay, this is how much things cost. This is how much we do per week. This is the expected margin or anything like that, just to really tighten up. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I was forced to grow up. How did you go about developing it? Uh, my, My business manager. She loves numbers. And she would get on me like, Nikki, we're not going to hide from these numbers. Like, you got to stop treating this like a hobby and really treat it like a business, like treat it like what it is. And I'm like, okay, you know, (laughs) so um, she actually got me um, a team uh, and I just got like a a whole financial arm to Zen in a Jar going. And I have to be fully engaged in the discussions um, of about, you know, numbers and market research and pricing and so on. Um, And honestly, a lot of it was just stories I told myself about how much I don't like numbers. I actually do like being engaged and knowing what's going on in each decision and things like that. You know, it it was just, I think I was just more more comfortable in a space of avoiding it. But once I left my uh, day job and did this full time, I had to fully engage, engage and account for every dollar that I spend. I love what you said about you do like numbers. We all like numbers. I wish if there's one thing I want to, you know, just drill into little girls growing up to like, stop saying you don't like math or I'm not good at math. Everybody is good at math. Listen, I refuse. I don't care who you are listening to this. Everybody's good at math. Someone else, you know, you think is good at numbers. All they did was not shy away from it. Like as soon as I started, stopped shying away from numbers as well, I started feeling confident in business. But I, I hid from it all of undergrad. Same thing as you. I was just like, oh, I just, I, I'm not going to do that. And it's only until you force yourself to engage that you realize, well, first of all, I like seeing dollars in my bank account. And then I like yeah. knowing what to do to keep those dollars in the bank account. <laughs> so <laughs> we're all good at math and we all like numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the stories that we that we tell ourselves are just mm-hmm. what is okay so quick tangent this is really really key uh adama uh, hamadi of dream leap live i don't know if you've heard of her but she is my business coach okay and she has this concept of inv- invisible scripts and we tell it it's the stories that we tell ourselves that really aren't true. We have to figure out where they come from and unpack them because they keep us in our own way. And one of the stories that I used to tell myself was, I don't like numbers. I just want to be the creative, you know? And I had to say, okay, well, what what is this really rooted in? Like, is this true? Like, have I had like such an absurd experience with math one day that I just don't want to care about my business? You know what I mean? Right. So, so you know, I appreciate she, she is one of the most significant investments that I've made in my business because she helps reveal those blind spots and also encourages me to have those difficult conversations that require courage. Um, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I have struggled with for some time is 
I don't want to be perceived as mean. Oh, oh my God. You didn't tell me we we're going to have a sermon today. You did not tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, so- I absolutely struggle with that as well. I, I, oh my gosh. And it's like, where did, I have to tell myself sometimes that, you know what? You are a good person. You know for a fact you're a good person. So why are you so terrified of people thinking you are not nice and not a good person? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and what she told me was she said, you don't owe the world nice. You mm-hmm. owe the world clear communication. Yes. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's one of the things that uh, that has really helped from working with her, too. And, and it helps me feel confident to to have those conversations. Did you ever see that video? Um, that video compilation of, of Beyonce like saying critical things to her team. Yes, yes, I, that that video is the best. It's like oh, if Beyonce had to I step it up and just I move past. So much. Yeah, I will link to that, you guys. If you haven't seen it, you need to because yeah, Beyonce she talked about you know recognizing that at at some point I just have to be direct and it's not about being nice or being perceived as nice. And she says it better than we do. But one thing I want to go back to. So is your business coach, is that how you were able to um, connect with a business manager? Talk to us about that part of it. Okay. Um, Really, it's like it's all the same tribe here in the in the area of just amazing women. One of the most important things that I'll that I'll recommend to any aspiring entrepreneur is build a network, build a tribe of women who are not necessarily in your field of business, but who are driven and and who pull your best out of you. Um, Don't run from challenging conversations. So with that said, let's talk about Tania Porter. Tania Porter (laughs) connected me with my business manager, Kia. Um, She is a hairstylist at The Green Room in Maryland. And um, she saw a lot in me and what I was trying to do with Zen and Ajar before I did. And so she sent me a text one day and she said, I have someone that you need to connect with. Her name is Kia. She has the mob agency. And I really see this going very far if you connect with her. And so I said, OK, all right. So we had a call and I were on the phone and I'm listening to her talk about everything that she offers. And I was not even like looking at myself as um a real business entity that would need a manager and things like that. I was thinking really small scale. And so we're on the phone and she's using like all these project management and lean six Sigma terms. She's like totally speaking my language. And um, we worked. And so we've been together. It's been like a little over a year now, but having a business manager is one of the most, uh, that's a decision I'm like most proud of as far as Zen in a jar. I love that. I'll link to Kia's um, The Mauve Agency. So now, before we jump into the lightning round, a few more things. So one of the things I find unique about you, and I think any skincare, body care artist that I have in the guest chair, because I consider you guys artists, you know, this is just so, so much skill, so much natural talent to put together things like these scents. But, you know, one thing that's interesting, because I purchased from all of you guys, everyone that I've been interviewing, and no two products are the same. And as I look on Instagram and I look at some of the people in my side hustle bro community, I see people coming out with with more and more body products. And one thing I want to emphasize is that there is space. There is space for you. Mm-hmm. You you too can carve a lave. I mean, I don't think black woman will ever get tired of smelling good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but did you ever, you know, what are your thoughts on that? One, did you ever have any doubts? Like, you know what, here I am. How am I going to stand out as a, a beauty brand, a skincare brand? Or were you always confident in what is your unique specialty? Okay, so two answers to this. Uh, number one, I agree. I love things that smell good. And I shop with other body care businesses all the time. Like I, I treat myself on Fridays. And um, I'll just go through Instagram and see who's got what for sale, what's going on or whatever. I love to shop with other body care businesses. Um, and as far as what, what makes me unique, I, I look at it like... Um, Similar to to my doctoral program, when we had to choose our study, you had to find a gap in the literature. Like you see what's out there, what's already been studied, but what do you contribute that isn't out there? Um, and so in terms of 
Zen in a Jar, I'm often compared to other uh, larger entities. Um, and I appreciate the comparison, but I don't feel that I'm just like her, like natural body care and things like that. I believe that what my specific thing is that makes me unique is um, I focus on aromatherapy. Like I don't really focus on being super natural or vegan friendly and all these things. Like I know that's not my lane. My lane is what smells good. What makes you feel amazing? Are you seeking energy? Are you seeking an aphrodisiac? Are you seeking something that works on your body chemistry? Do you need to focus, relax, whatever? That is what I study. And that's what I feel I can offer. Um, like, of course, you'll be moisturized and everything. But if you're looking for like a feeling or an energy, that's what I think the energy brings to the table. I agree with that. That isn't really emphasized like uh, it's, it's not really emphasized uh, by a specific um, entity right now. So I feel like, you know, there is there's room for all of us. And I'm a huge fan of carving out your lane. I 100% agree with that in terms of your lane. You know, when I've used the body honeys, I think I usually save them for like a special evening. And so it just <laughs> immediately, it, it does something to your energy. And then also the memories. Every time I smell it, I'm thinking of a wonderful night, you know, an exciting evening, yeah. a night out. It's just, you know, so sensory. I love it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like I want to tie, I, I really want to like emphasize the olfactory sense. Mm -hmm. Like I do these, uh, the scent bars a lot. And now I've been invited to do scent bars um, alongside other events. Like what was someone I did recently, the Dear Self Brunch, where it's like a women's empowerment brunch. You've got women coming in and just sharing extraordinary stories and strategies for living our best lives and things. And then at the end of the brunch, you uh, come over with me and you create your own uh, custom fragrance and you scent your shea butter or body mist, or, you know, what have you. And that fragrance, every time you smell it, once you leave, you will be re you remember the information that you took in at the brunch and how you felt and everything that day and you, you tie it to that particular fragrance. So that's like definitely what I'm getting excited just thinking about. It. But that's what I'm passionate about. And that's what I think I'm here to bring to the table. So you've been doing this as your side hustle for a number of years, right? Since I believe 2012 is what I read. Mm -hmm. Now, it allowed you to put yourself through your doctor of science program, your doctorate. And now you've gone out on your own. At what stage did you decide to do that and why? I definitely could not give Zanajar the the love and nurturing it deserved by um, going going at it halfway a moment longer. Like it was really it was tearing at me over the holiday season, but I still had this attachment to my day job. I loved it. It was a lot of my identity was tied to that. I had been in government since I was in high school. So I just left like at 19 years of government service. It's all I knew. And um, I just realized like I, I wasn't able to fully function as a human, as a fiance, as an auntie, any of those things, because I was always tired and always working. So I chose Zen in a Jar. It wasn't an easy decision. Like I agonized over for a while, but uh, my hairstylist, Tania, we were working together one day, one of those days in the conference room, working on all the orders. And she turned around and said, when are you going to get out of survival mode? And it hit me. Like, I mean, really it stung for like two hours, but I thought about it and I was like, you guys, that's it. It's time. I'm just going to do Zen in a Jar. I'm going to walk away from my day job. I'm not going to say, oh, I should just wait a few more months oh, what am I going to do about this and that? I'm just going to do it. And I did. I have not looked back. <laughs> I like, I love these stories and I, I, I just have so many questions still. So did you have mm -hmm. a lot saved up? Did you wait, you know, a month after that? Or do you mean that that next Monday you walked in and quit? Let's see, that was what I was uh, late. That was like December, I want to say. But I, you know, I'd already been thinking about it. And I talked to my fiance, well, my boyfriend at the time, and he said he fully supported it as long as I could save up six months of our expenses. He would fully support whatever way I wanted to go. And so I said, okay. So once I saved it up, I was like, okay, so now it's what's holding me back. It's just fear. You know, I kept, I, I kept 
telling myself these stories of as soon as I leave my job, nobody's going to want to buy Zen in a jar anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like my best friend, she gets so irritated, like, Brooks, that's ridiculous. Why would you even like, what are you talking about? You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, again, like those those stories that we tell ourselves. Exactly. So like my family, my family was really nervous. Um, but I told them with full confidence, like by the time I started talking to my mom, my grandparents and such, I was fully confident in the decision. I already had my savings and um, it was just a matter of when. So after the holiday season, we came back to work uh, January 2nd and I just I couldn't wait. I could not send that email fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. And I just I felt free the moment I sent the email, even though I was still very much working. Yeah, I um. And, and it felt good. Like on my last day, it felt really good to leave the job and not because somebody made me upset or because I was sick of this or don't like my boss or didn't like this project. I just left because it was time to do something new. And it really felt good to do, you know, and many of the people at my job were already like kind of shopping with me on the weekends anyway. <laughs> so they knew it was only a matter of time. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> The co-workers are always the one that are just like, okay, so she has one foot out the door. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I'm really, I'm so happy for you. I don't, I don't think that I fully realized that you were, you know, completely full time at this point, but it's still, it's still so early. And so it's so nice to talk to you, like, you know, within months of you making that decision and going on on your own. Thank you. You know, I was really terrified. I have to share this with you. I, um, was afraid to listen to this podcast. Like before I really freed myself mentally, I was afraid because another story I told myself, and I was talking to my manager about this this morning too, about how I just felt like, oh, well, that's not for me because, you know, everybody on Side Hustle Pro, they really know what they're doing. And <laughs> they, they really have what? it all together already. Get out. So, so I'm not there yet. I, I shouldn't try to identify with this. Like, isn't that, doesn't that sound crazy? That and so sounds like, as soon crazy. as I started listening, I was like, oh my God, if I was listening this to this ages ago, I would be light years ahead of where I am. <laughs> <laughs> and you are going to put some people light years ahead because I mean, just, just some of the things we already touched on. I learned something new every day. Like I said, I've talked to um, body care people before, but every single time it's like, I had no idea. That's how you guys did it. So... <laughs> Listen to the podcast, y'all. Share with your friends. Share, share with a friend who needs it. You know who they are. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. I really appreciate you for what you're doing here. It's oh, incredible. Thank you. And so what's next for you now that you're full time with Zen in a Jar? What's next for Zen in a Jar? How are you making sure that the revenue keeps coming in and that you're profitable? What a fun question. Okay. So um, things have been happening organically, like ever since I really gave in to what my destiny is, which is this. Um, A few, maybe two months ago now, uh, my boyfriend had a physical therapy and I had an hour to kill before going back to pick him up. So walking around and I'm browsing in uh, the store, Beauty Couture. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm looking around and I see these women like just smiling, going in and out of these doors and stuff. I'm like, hey, what's going on in here? So I asked the manager, I was like, what's what's all this back here? Basically, they have um, they cut their shop in half. It was huge at first, like maybe it was like a big furniture store, grocery store or something. But what they did was they built out six suites in the back of it and they they rent the suites to small woman owned businesses. And all of that to say, I got a space. Um, I'm out of the conference room and out of my apartment now. I have my own Zen in a jar um, space um, and I'll be using it primarily for like production and operations, but I'll also be doing retail once a week. And I open on um, April 27th. Oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah. So that's been exciting. Just just getting my apartment back and, and having a real home without shea butter boxes everywhere and stuff. <laughs> you know, that's exciting. And just having a space to really conduct business, but also having a boundary in place because I can only be in the space doing their um, larger hours of operation. So I have to stop regardless of what. I stop working on Zinajar at nine o'clock at night mm-hmm. and I go home. Whereas when I was working out of the apartment, I might be home working on things, but I'm not fully present with my family. 
you know, I'm working until two or three o'clock in the morning whipping butter and boxing things and mm-hmm. all of that. So it's, I really think boundaries are key. Like sales are great, all of that, but having boundaries, like healthy boundaries between your business um, and yourself and your family is, is really, really important. So I, I still maintain my releases. Uh, I do releases biweekly now and they're very large. And um, what I do is like one of my biggest lessons from Cyber Monday is because I had to just stop reading the comments when people were commenting. They're like, oh, I just missed it. Can you please add some more for me? I would go on and add like 50, 100 more bottles, not thinking, Nikki, you don't have the bandwidth to do this. You're people pleasing. Mm. You know, that was a hard lesson of, of Cyber Monday. So now, you know, the release just is the number that it is and it's biweekly. Um, and so that's, that's one way of, of maintaining the revenue, but the other pieces I travel, I travel everywhere and, um, do pop-ups, you know, and it's not anything fancy all the time. It's just, you know, going and meeting customers, like some customers that are out of state are like, Hey, I'm getting all my friends together. Can you come to Atlanta for the weekend? We just want to buy some stuff. And I'm like, sure. You know, cause I have the bandwidth to do that now, you know, and it's great to connect with people and, and remain connected to, um, my consumers and, and, you know, establish relationships and things like that. Um, and I also, you know, I travel and do the scent bars. I'm on tour with Dr. Kia for her team type and fast events. I'm on tour with Sherelle Duncan with the Deer Self Brunch. And I also tour with Trap Yoga Bay. This was my my one year trap yoga versary actually like last oh, week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's incredible too. She is, she was a really strong example of the freedom of entrepreneurship. Like when she walked away from her career and said, I'm going to travel the world doing yoga my way. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm just going to enjoy my life. I, I just, I love the freedom and the peace that comes with this. I always say like my goal with Zen in a Jar is not to be wealthy. It honestly isn't. I just want, Peace and freedom. Well, I will just have to add a little asterisk to that and say, but you will be wealthy. Will you stop pushing oh, away yeah. stories we tell oh, ourselves? Yeah, yeah. I mean, stop pushing away the wealth. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with wealthy. <laughs> Things are going great. Things are going Things great. Are going I great. definitely don't want to change that. Okay. All right. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> another story we tell ourselves. We don't want to be wealthy. Yeah. False. False. Yeah. False. False. Well, you know what? You're absolutely right. You are. I'm so glad you said that. Adama yeah, would be we so gotta proud. Catch Adama, it. If we you're have listening, to catch it. Yes. All righty. Let's just jump into the lightning round. Mm-hmm. Number one, what is another resource you've dropped so many that has helped you in your side hustle that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Um, mandatory days off for self-care. Yes. Um, number two, what's been the best business book or live event or podcast episode that you've consumed this year? The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. It's not a business book, but it is... Um, it's how you really get to know yourself and your core values. And you cannot, in my opinion, you cannot be successful in business if you don't genuinely know who you are and your core values are not aligned with your business. And the four agreements helped me to understand that about myself. Love it. Number three, who is a black woman side hustler that motivates you to keep going and why? Okay, there's like 50 of them, but I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick one. Um, <laughs> Kia Wilson, um, my, my business manager, she manages high maintenance rock stars such as myself, and she still has a career and family that she's stellar with. Um, she inspires me daily. Like even as we meet, I watch her. When, okay. When we went to Los Angeles two weeks ago, myself and uh, Sierra Lynn are clients of hers. She set up these incredible photo shoots for us. And even though she is our manager, she was still into the details, like adjusting socks and coming up with um, like looks for the shoots and stuff. Like I bought these clothes and everything to take pictures in. And then she just had an idea like, you know what, let's do the shoot in the hotel room and let's get you in a towel applying your product. And it was like bananas, you know, the way her mind works and how she didn't even realize that we hadn't stopped to eat all day because she was working so hard and so dedicated to us, you know, having, making the most of the Los Angeles experience. Uh, She inspires me daily. All righty. And then number four, what would you say is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your side hustle? Being open, open to feedback. And then lastly, 
What is your parting advice for fellow side hustlers who may be stuck or discouraged and want to take that side hustle to the next level? Do not listen to your invisible scripts. Go with your intuition and believe in yourself. There, there is no reason that you can't do what any of the rest of us are doing. And I just spoke to that by saying I was even scared to listen to the show because I felt so far removed from what everybody else had going on. And it's, it's not even the case um, that, yeah, I'll just I'll stop there. But, yeah, believe in yourself, not not those um, invisible scripts. Yes. And then how can people connect with you and Zen in a Jar after this episode? You can find me at uh, Zen in a Jar on Instagram. I post on Twitter, but only through Instagram, because like I said, I don't understand Twitter communication. Um, I'm also <laughs> on Facebook. Um, and But like I said, I'm, I'm most off. I'm most active on Instagram. And um, I'm also at ZIJLuxury.com. All right. And I will link to all of those, the website, so you guys can get your order on. And thank you so much for being in the guest chair, Nikki. Thank you. I, I appreciate this. I was super nervous, but this was great. I, I'm so grateful. I'm so happy that you did it and you pushed <laughs> past those scripts in your head because you deserve to be here and you just bless somebody, multiple people with your message. So thank you. Thank you. And there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at side hustle pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the side hustle pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.